And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Such a nice story. So nice. And that Jesus, don't we love him? And Joseph's son, isn't he? What a fine young man. And from a carpenter, indeed. What wonderful words. He talks so pretty. We feel so happy for all those blind prisoners in debt. Aren't they going to be all good now? <laughs> so there's a little bit more after that. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do it here in your hometown what we have heard that you have done in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, Jesus continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut off for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy. And in the time of Elijah, that prophet went not to them. But the one who was cleansed was Naaman, the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down over the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went on his way. Such a nice story. Right? So, why the freak out? It's still good news, right? Today, fulfilled in your hearing. The word of God has unfolded. The blessing that you and your people before you, centuries you have been waiting. Today is the day that God is appearing to bless you in your midst. Your blindness, you will see. Those of you bound and captive, free. The year of the Lord's favor is upon us. And they would have known that what that meant was it was the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, the 50th year after seven times seven, there was a plan throughout the land that all debts would be released. And so, you have debt, all gone. No more indebtedness. Today, this is the blessing that you have received. Maybe you didn't hear me. Today. This is the blessing that you have received. Okay. 
For some of us, this story isn't like something that happened a long time ago. For some of us, it's a present word of God. So that was kind of nice, some of those cheering things that happened. But it's kind of lukewarm. I mean, I'm talking about you can see the things that you've been wanting to see. You know those places where you're blind in your life right now, where you just cannot see what is meant for you, what God desires for you, how to work your way through that concern? That thing, the place where you're blind, God is saying right today in your midst is that which can make you see. What about you? Are you all free already? No other captives here? Nobody here captive by feelings of self-doubt or resentment. Nobody held captive by fear or anxiety. Nobody else feeling like they're ready to rejoice? That captives will be set free today. Unless you think Jesus isn't here. Is Jesus here or not? All right. I'm just saying that it's a good word for us today. We have sight before us. We have freedom before us. And those of us that feel like we don't ever have enough, that we owe people stuff all the time, we're barely able to catch up and make good on our debts to people. All gone. Your worth is all caught up. You're assured you have everything you need. It's a good day for us all and a blessing. But they didn't respond with that, did they? No, in fact, they tried to, what? Kill him? Yeah, that. They tried to throw him off the cliff. These are his people in his hometown. Family, friends, people he grew up with. Tried to kill him after he told them, you can have this blessing right now. Why? Maybe it was something like this where he was saying to them, God's blessing is here right now. Yay! And it's for all. Yay? Yeah! You're part of the all. It's, it's for all. Everybody gets to be freed from blindness and captivity and debt. Wait a minute. Yeah. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Remember Elijah? And that widow? <laughs> yeah. Remember Elisha and Naaman, that Syrian? Wait a minute. You mean that kind of stumbly woman, kind of stinky poor? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that arrogant, stinky, rich Syrian guy? Those guys? Yeah, we remember. <laughs> oh, and Elijah? And Elisha? Yeah. We remember. This is what we remember. We remember that the faithful people, hello, famine in the land, they were starving too. But did those prophets go to the faithful people who had been praying and doing everything right? Help them out? No, they went to that unbelieving widow. 
gave her some food and more. Everybody was getting sick in those days. That's what we remember. Our church was full of people who were sick and needing blessing. And that prophet, did he come to our church? All those prayers? Yeah. He went to that illegal immigrant. Yeah, that's who he went to. The one who's here but shouldn't be here, taking other stuff, and he takes his blessing from us as well. I mean, we know who deserves it. We show up. We do our part. We pray. We're faithful. We're good. We believe. And then it's the welfare mother and the illegal immigrants that get God's blessing. Yeah, that, we remember that story. All, all, you're going to preach a word of all in this house of God where the good people are? You bet we're going to throw you over the cliff. Yeah. Now a word from our biblical commentary. The paradox of the gospel, therefore, is that the unlimited grace that it offers so scandalizes us that we are unable to receive it. What was that? You said, read it again? Sure. <laughs> the paradox of the gospel, therefore, is that the unlimited, see, that's the catch, right? The unlimited grace that it offers so scandalizes us that we are unable to receive it. Thus, the freakout. But really, why? Why the freakout? We get it, but it's, it's hard to hold on to for a minute, I think. But let's go there anyway, because that's what it's about, going there. Because grace this unlimited grace reveals our judgments. And we'd rather believe it's God who judges. You see, because if it's God who judges, all we have to do is measure up. If it's God who judges, just give me the rules. I'll do it right, and I'll get my blessing. I don't have to go anywhere. That scares me. I don't have to open up too much to anything else. Nice and neat little path. And I'll stay nice and tidy, get my blessing, and feel very good about myself. Don't be messing with my feeling good about myself. You see, grace reveals our judgments. And so grace is a hard, good word, right? Just like this What Would Jesus Really Do series has been each of these weeks. The first week we found out love is not always so easy in practice, right? What love requires takes a lot more vulnerability than just following the rules. And then last week we were talking about what it takes to live into hope as opposed to just simply be a victim of our fear. It requires something of us, right? We actually have to live into the hope that's available within us and through us in Jesus. See, the deal is <laughs> love, hope, and now grace, they all require 
something of us. They require that we go somewhere other than where we are. And while we complain quite a bit about where we are some days, we're not here accidentally. And when somebody might encourage us to take responsibility for that, well, that's a little uncomfortable. Over the cliff with you. Rob Bell says that Jesus drags the future into the present. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he does in this particular scripture. Some say it is his mission statement. It is his vision statement. It is his, I'm coming into the world, and I'm telling you who I am and what I'm about. And what he says is, right here, today, now, see, be free, and you're fully worthy. And once you get that, go, because this world is full of people who are blind and captive and feeling racked with unworthiness. Once you are freed, this is indeed a day of God's good favor, and we will proclaim it. Let us go. You see, when this comes in to our presence, for a moment it feels good, and then we realize what? When the future comes into our presence, for a moment it feels good, and then what? If you were to receive a bright and wonderful image right in front of you now about the good future that God has intended for you, that relationship that you're yearning for, that fulfilling, purposeful vocation that you're trying to seek, that resolution to the feud you've had of many years with your brother or your sister, that healthy living into your own body and sexuality that has eluded you your whole life, that forgiveness of that wrong that keeps you from ever trusting again. On the surface, if Jesus was to say, you can have awareness of that now. Here's the present reality. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Good. It would feel good for a moment until what? Until we realize the distance between where we are and the vision for our good future. Because in that distance, we would realize something will be required of us. And that something is judgment. All of those things are somehow related to judgments we make about our unworthiness, about others' unworthiness, about the impossibility of goodness in our lives, the impossibility of somebody else being as good as, equal to, 
our judgments create a world of hierarchy. There is always someone better and someone worse, always someone in and someone out, always someone good and someone bad, and a lot of the times, as we are scrabbling to prove that we are in and up and good, we're feeling our own sense of judgment that we are out and down and bad. And how can we get past that? That's our story. And it's hard to let it go. And it's painful to confront the fact that it is our story, and it's painful to welcome the hope and the love and the grace that can heal it. And if you are not sure about this, I'm going to ask you to think for a moment about a time where you have really wronged someone else and regretted it, and they forgave you. And I'd like you to think about a time where you owed someone something, maybe money or a favor, that you could not repay, and they forgave that debt. I want you to think about a time where you were aching and needy and dysfunctional and ugly and someone was tender with you and careful and gentle. Those times hurt. They may be what we want and they very truly heal. But our vulnerability in those places, our humanity in those places, our uncontrollable truth about times when we, in our humanness, hurt and owe and are in pain, it's a difficult place to go. So, the invitation to go there so that we can be healed is a hard, good word. Because what is grace if nothing more than the ability to go into the full messiness of humanity, ours and other people's, and not judge it? Does it feel impossible to you? Think about how much you judge yourself. What if I told you this thing is true? You are already judged worthy by God. Worthy of love, worthy of healing, worthy of care, worthy of forgiveness, worthy of a second chance, a third chance, a 30th chance. You are worthy already. What stops that from coming in? it's hard for us to let go of our story of judgment and it is ours not God's and so what I would say to us all the profoundly good word about grace is this grace is not only what enables us to heal in that place it's what enables us to go there in the first place because we can't bear it well because being human is a very hard thing to be. And God came and did it in Jesus Christ.
and came so that we would be able to stand with him and not run. And to know that through and with God's grace upon us, we no longer need the story of judgment to which we hold. We can release our story about God for God's story about us, for us all. And what will that bring us? Something like this. We'll be able to see what we could not see before, our worth and one another's. We will be freed from a sense of scarcity that if you have yours, I won't get mine. There will be enough for all of us. And we will experience the year of God's good favor. We will not need to owe up to anything or anybody because God has definitively and totally and completely in Christ Jesus said, you are enough. You are enough for me. We are done with that. You need not prove your worth to me or anyone anymore. So now, be about the business of releasing all others from that need to prove their worth to you. This could look something like heaven on earth. This could look something like salvation. This could look something like love made real in the flesh, in your life and mine. Thank you, Jesus. It's a very nice story. <laughs>